Thank you for listening to Data Science at Home podcast with Francesco Gadaletta. You are about to get cutting edge insights from the people who are reshaping the world of technology with machine learning, data science, and artificial intelligence. It's time for Data Science at Home. Welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in and welcome back to another episode of Data Science at Home podcast. I'm your host, Francesco, podcasting from the headquarters of my company, Amethyx Technologies. At Amethyx, we use machine learning and artificial intelligence to empower people and organizations. In this episode, I would like to speak about reinforcement learning. But in particular, as I already promised a few episodes ago, what are the limitations of reinforcement learning and why there is such a hype and why do people believe that reinforcement learning works the, the way it does and, uh, and maybe it really doesn't. The idea of this episode is definitely not to crash the concept of reinforcement learning. I believe that reinforcement learning is an amazing technology and uh, it's definitely something that uh, is a paradigm of computation and, um, and modeling that it really is bringing something amazing to the domains of interest. But I would like to make sure that everyone is on the same page when we talk about performance and uh, the potential and the capabilities of, uh, of such a technology. So what is reinforcement learning? Reinforcement learning is a paradigm of computation or well of modeling that allows an agent to perform some actions within an environment and receive positive or negative reward. Think about, you know, when you play with your dog and uh, you kind of order the dog to return a, a, a ball and if the dog returns the ball is going to receive a positive reward otherwise is going to receive something like negative. For example, you would yell to the dog or uh, you would slap the dog. Please don't do that. It's just an example. And in case of a positive reward, so when the dog does what he's been asked to do, well, you probably give him a cookie, right? Now, this is exactly what happens within the reinforcement learning framework. You have an agent, of course, a virtual agent, that receives positive or negative rewards with respect to the quality of the action that it decided to perform according to a certain policy. Now, the goal of the agent, of course, is to maximize the reward. And this will in turn force the agent to explore a large amount of possible policies and, of course, pick the best one. There are a lot of examples where people and practitioners have been using reinforcement learning, in particular video games, but also financial trading and language modeling. In the language modeling, for example, an agent chooses the best thing to say at the right time, given, for example, a certain context. And so, given a textual or semantic context, the agent receives a positive or a negative reward if the answer that it gave to a hypothetic question was in fact a proper answer or not. The problem is that there are many examples in which we have seen reinforcement learning really working, for example, in these very narrow domains like video games, especially those proposed by DeepMind or OpenAI. But there are many other examples in which reinforcement learning is not really working. And so the problem of reinforcement learning is that it is currently surrounded by mountains and mountains of hype, probably more than deep learning. 
there is another technology which is kind of a combination between the two that is called deep reinforcement learning which is in fact the combination of deep learning and reinforcement learning and uh, this is considered one of the closest things that looks anything like AGI artificial general intelligence and that's the kind of dream that you know, fuels billions and billions of dollars of funding, at least in the startup world. But of course, all that glitters is not gold. So what is deep reinforcement learning? In fact, where is the deep in deep reinforcement learning? Well, when I said that the agent is going to perform an action, it basically happens that the agent is in a current state and there could be millions of possible states in the environment. It pretty much depends on how complex the environment is. And now from that state, the agent has to select an action, one of the possible actions that are legit from that particular state. As you apply this concept to realistic environments, of course, the number of states and the number of actions can immediately explode to the point that you would have eventually even millions or even billions of possible states and thousands or millions of possible actions from each state. And so you can imagine that the problem of this complexity is extremely difficult to solve. It's extremely difficult even to scan all possible actions and possible states and just pick the best one. It would just be not feasible. And so what happens there is that there is a function approximator that predicts the best possible action given a certain state. And so in uh, this framework, each state is in fact encoded uh, as, for example, a matrix or a vector. And uh, the estimator, which could be a logistic regression as well as a random forest or any other off-the-shelf machine learning model, or a deep neural network, will predict the best possible action given that state which is pretty much the same as you know having an image represented by a matrix and deciding which kind of object that image belongs to for example you know one of the possible thousand labels that uh, you are classifying images the concept is exactly the same except that this time given an input which is the state you would like to estimate an output which is the action and so the combination of these two that is the deep learning so the neural network used as a action estimator and the reinforcement learning framework in which the agent receives uh, rewards that are positive or negative depending on how good or bad that action that estimated action was the combination of these two things is in fact a very powerful approach that can be used and in fact it seems to work for specific domains. Now in this episode of course I would like to emphasize a bit what are the limitations of reinforcement learning but this doesn't mean that reinforcement learning is not a good technology it just means that you should pay extra attention whenever you decide to use this technology for uh, to provide a solution to your problem because not all problems can be in fact solved with reinforcement learning and in fact many problems can be solved with uh, much much simpler approaches so the first limitation of reinforcement learning is so-called sample inefficiency this means that reinforcement learning needs a ton of data or epochs 
which <laughs> translates into thousands and thousands of hours in a simulator in order to learn what humans can usually learn in a few hours. There are many examples here, even in the realm of video games. Uh, for example, Rainbow DQN uh, is an approach that plays uh, a number of games and shows how the best algorithm requires something like 44 million frames to learn play with superhuman capabilities, one of these Atari games that you can find you know, from the 90s. Rainbow DQN passes the 100% threshold, which means better than human, at about 18 million frames, which is something like 83 hours of play experience. So imagine yourself or imagine a human playing a pretty simple video game, you know, those ones from the 90s or these Atari games, it's not really one of these, you know, super fancy and most recent video games where you really need to spend some time to, to master it. But it's a very simple video game. Imagine yourself playing this game something like two weeks full time, you know, if you are speaking of as a regular job. So 83 hours is in fact more than two weeks full time nonstop. This, in fact, is a video game that can be mastered by humans within a few minutes. And so, as you can see, this is what I mean by sample inefficiency. The deep reinforcement learning algorithm took something like 18 million frames, 83 hours of play experience, just to be a bit better than human beings. There is another project by DeepMind, which is the DeepMind Parkour project, in which an agent learns how to walk and uh, jump over obstacles in a simulated environment. And that took something like 6,400 CPU hours, which means uh, it's, it's an enormous amount of hours for a task that can definitely be solved with uh, you know, trajectory optimization and many other approaches that are used in classic robotics for years now uh, with maybe a bunch of sensors. Another limitation of reinforcement learning is due to the fact that it requires a reward function. So for reinforcement learning to do the right thing, there must be a reward function that must capture exactly what you want. So what is the reward function? The reward function is a function that, given a certain state or certain conditions in the environment and the action that was estimated by the agent, the deep neural network, whatever, it assigns a score to this action. And so telling how good or bad this action was with respect to that particular condition. Now, in simulated environments like the Atari video games, it is relatively easy to design a reward function that captures what the agent is supposed to do. And of course, these reward functions, these simple reward functions, will help the agent find the optimal policy. In other realistic cases, however, designing a reward function is not as easy. For example, there are many cases in which the agent faces multiple objectives and many other times that the algorithm designer is not even aware of the new objectives that the agent might be dealing during the game. Reward functions that are very simple, of course, are much easier to design, but will hardly capture all the possible scenarios of the game or the problems to solve. And this usually makes it impossible for the agent to learn anything useful. Other times the agent learns to maximize the result 
by performing actions that were not thought as legit in the first place. And so one might think that such a smart artificial intelligence would definitely kill humans if that action somehow maximized whatever reward in the game. And, you know, I would already imagine journalists starting pointing the fingers towards an artificial general intelligence that took over humanity. There's nothing like that, guys. It's just a reward function that hasn't been designed properly. It's very important to understand how complex the reward function should be. And that's kind of a black art of reinforcement learning. What you have to know for sure is that there are essentially two types of reward, the shaped rewards and the sparse rewards. The shaped reward means that it gives increasing reward in states that are closer to the end goal which means that as the agent gets closer and closer to the goal, it receives from the environment, it receives a reward that is more and more positive. And, you know, this happens in a kind of a continuous fashion until the goal is reached completely. In the case of sparse rewards, however, the environment gives the reward only at the goal state and no reward anywhere else. So this means that sparse rewards you know, make the learning process much, much slower as the agent is, let's say, completely blind until it gets to the goal and receives the reward. And since it is sparse, the learning process might not only be slower, but it also doesn't guarantee for the agent to reach a positive state or learn an optimal policy. In contrast, shaped rewards are often much easier to learn because they provide positive feedback, even when the policy hasn't figured out a full solution to the problem. But in contrast, there is another problem, which is that shaped rewards can bias learning. And, uh, and this is where the difficulty of uh, designing a reward function is. Another important limitation of reinforcement learning consists in uh, having a number of possible actions that is usually finite or limited. Now, actions set are usually discrete, and uh, this is a you know a trick for you know to make the problem feasible and uh, uh, to make it solvable from a machine. But of course, uh, this is not always the case, especially for realistic environments. Uh, the actions that we perform every day are not discrete at all. And so, what one would do is definitely making a discrete action continuous which is not only non-trivial, but also will increase the number of actions that the agent will have to deal with during policy optimization. Also, the other way around is a, is a difficult task. If you have continuous actions that you need to discretize, you know, it depends. Uh, you have to choose beforehand what's the resolution or how do you want to bin these continuous actions into a set of action that is countable and finite. Another limitation of reinforcement learning is about local optima. These are much harder than those found in deep learning. If you think that it is hard for, for example, stochastic gradient descent to get out of local optima, then you should rethink this level of complexity because with reinforcement learning, it is even harder to escape local optima. This, of course, is due to the design of the reward function. And if there is a deep neural network as state action estimator, as we said before, there will be another chance for the entire system to get stuck in a local optimum. There is a classic example of a simulated two-leg robot that receives reward proportional to the velocity it reaches in the horizontal plane. 
Now, the robot learns to jump on its back and just learns to proceed horizontally by flipping on its back. Why does that happen? Well, for some reason, the robot ended up on its back after a jump, probably with excessive acceleration. Once on its back, the robot discovers that by keeping jumping on its back, it's getting closer to the objective. And since it keeps receiving positive reward, it adopts this behavior, which is kind of weird, and it considered it as an optimal policy. And so what happens is that at the end of the training or the, or the epochs of the, of the reinforcement learning framework, the robot starts jumping on his back and uh, he forgets completely about walking on his legs. Now imagine such a robot out of the simulator in the real world just around us. Pretty weird, isn't it? I think that another very important limitation of reinforcement learning consists in the lack of generalization. Generalization with reinforcement learning is hardly achieved, at least so far. Agents that are good at playing one particular video game are usually not as good at another video game. And one possible reason is that reinforcement learning agents do not generalize well to other domains. And this in turn could mean that reinforcement learning agents pretty much overfit weird patterns in the environment they, they were trained in the first place. And so, you know, this makes the reinforcement learning framework in general pretty limited because the hours, and we have seen the thousands of CPU hours that you might be spending for one specific video game or problem or domain, does not transfer anywhere else, which means that when you change problem, you probably have to start from scratch. Now, in order to be fair with the, the reinforcement learning field of research, I should also mention the domains and the applications where reinforcement learning did, in fact, work well. And so you can search, and I will report in the show notes of this episode, the number of uh, applications and projects where, indeed, reinforcement learning showed uh, very interesting results. For example, with DQN, AlphaGo, AlphaZero, or the Parkour Bot, reducing power center usage, AutoML with the uh, Neural Architecture Search or NAS, which is a way, well, a reinforcement learning based approach to discover the best neural network architecture for a specific problem and data set. And of course, OpenAI Dota 2. These examples worked for several reasons. The first is that they are all narrow domains. And uh, more specifically, it's very easy or, well, relatively easy to generate enormous amounts of experience data via simulation, for example. In addition to this, they solve one simple problem that is also quite well defined. And so in this context, it is very easy. Of course, I don't want to undermine uh, the work of these researchers, but it's much easier than for realistic environment to, for example, design a reward function or describe the states of the environment. This last property allowed researchers to design a very clear reward function that could capture the positive and negative aspects of the game, in the case of video games, for example, from DeepMind and OpenAI, and allowed the agent to find the optimal policy almost immediately. In some cases, a suboptimal policy was already better than state-of-the-art or humans for that particular case. Now, keep in mind that all these cases are kind of exceptions or, well, those are the well-defined cases where reinforcement learning can play an important role. 
but they do not represent, unfortunately I must say, the general case for which applying reinforcement learning will definitely solve the problem. Now, there is, a, and I, with this I want to conclude, a very strong misconception that throwing money or hardware to the problem will solve it. If that was the case for deep learning, uh, it doesn't seem to be the case for reinforcement learning, for the reasons that I just explained. When stochastic gradient descent convergence is guaranteed, and it is guaranteed on paper, it is indeed a matter of having a powerful GPU or a few days of computation, or both, but with a badly designed reinforcement learning reward function, the problem might never be solved from a mathematical perspective. And so don't throw money or better hardware to unsolvable problems. We are at the end of this episode and I hope you find this episode useful and uh, you now have a better understanding of reinforcement learning and of course the reasons why it works for some domains and not for others. As this podcast has reached numbers that I definitely never planned for, I'd like to personally thank all of you for following, commenting the episodes, inspiring me, and giving me the motivation to continue this show. I also want to grow this amazing community and try new things. That's why I created Amethyx, to work on hard data problems and creative solutions that contribute to the good of humanity in collaboration with you. There's a very small survey that will give us the chance to stay in touch or exchange ideas in machine learning and AI. And why not to work together? Go to amethyx.com survey. That's A-M-E-T-H-I-X dot slash survey. And have a look. It's going to take you only two minutes. I'll read you soon. You've been listening to Data Science at Home Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new, fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com. 